Welcome to another episode of Generation One. It's going to be a short one this time. We are getting ready to head off to the Kootenai Classic Jackpot Show in North Idaho. We were just down in Twin Falls last week. And then as soon as we get home, we're home for two days. And then we're headed down to the big show in Reno. So... I just wanted to let everybody know, since it hasn't been advertised yet, shame on you, Megan and Josh and all of you for not telling everybody that I will be gracing them with this beautiful voice as the MC down in Reno. So I figured if we're going to be up there and people are going to be isolated and stuck listening to me for that long... I should do a quick little episode and tell people a bit about myself and a bit about my program and where we started, where we came from, where we're going, things of that nature. So, But before I do, always a shout out to Riley Box. He is at home holding the fort down. God bless him. Um, My wife, Sue Ellen in Dallas, without all of them, none of this would be possible. So let's just get right into it. You know, everybody meets me and they're like, how did this weird, like, unicorn creature of a human come to be, right? Like, you meet me and you're like, that was weird. You know, and how did I get into the livestock thing? Well, it's pretty simple. So, I was a townie. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to own it. I was a townie. And I lived in Pullman, Washington. That's where I was born and raised. And I showed a steer my eighth grade year, and I kept it out at a friend's house. And I mean, from the moment I bought that steer, it was over. Like, I was hooked. And I fell absolutely in love with it. But, you know, I grew up in the middle of wheat fields, okay? Nowhere, never seen Denver, didn't even know the National Western was a thing, right? Like, I didn't know any of this was happening out in the country. I didn't know it was in industry, but I knew I loved the livestock industry. So I was hooked. I raised a steer out at my friend's house for two years, and then my parents could see I was getting serious about it, and they wanted to get out of town anyway. So we went and bought a piece of property out oh about five miles north of Pullman and a little bit of background my mom actually went to school for animal science but ended up being an insurance agent and my dad he grew up on a ranch in Idaho but we're not very close with uh, my grandfather unfortunately so I didn't spend a lot of time there growing up every time I did I loved it but we we didn't do a lot of that so anyway we moved out to the property, and I'm getting steers, but my, my parents weren't, like, into it like me. You know, they supported me. They loved that I liked it. They thought it was a cute little hobby, but they weren't into it, okay? So my parents were like, no, you can't buy a heifer. Like, we're not starting this. Like, you can just show steers. That's fine. Well, they told me I couldn't buy a heifer, told me I couldn't buy a heifer, but here's where they made the mistake. Back in whatever year that was, I the friend of mine at the time who I had my steers with, he raised Charlay cattle. And he was close with some Charlay breeders here. And Jana Kohler um, from 3G Farms down in Pomeroy, Washington, said, Hey, I will lease you a heifer if you want to come along with us to Charlay Junior Nationals in California. So I loaded up that heifer. She knew, like, she was like, it's not good. Like, she's thin, you know, like, you are not going to do well. But 
you know, you can come and have the experience. I said, great. I loaded up in the car. We headed down to Sacramento, um, which is the furthest way I had ever gone for a show. And that's when my eyes were opened. Um, it was a good size junior nationals. There's, I don't know, maybe 200 head of shars there or something. And I, it was at that point that I realized, holy shite, this is an entire industry. And I could do this for a living someday. And I met a lot of different people. And while I was down there, I met the Woodcock family and they were super nice to me. And I, I really liked their cattle. And my parents told me, like I had said, you know, no heifer, no heifer. Well, I may have bought a heifer behind my parents back. And I didn't tell them and I couldn't figure out the right way to tell them. I lined up shipping everything. This is like, you know, freshman in high school, Cody. Um, I've always been ambitious and always hard headed and rarely do I take no for an answer. So um, one day the trailer rolls in and ta-da, there's the heifer. Uh, my mother was less than pleased to say the least. Um, they were not impressed. Well, they were impressed that I managed to do all of this behind their back and have a heifer ship from California. Um, but they were not impressed that I went against them and got a heifer. But it was really over from then. My parents tried to fight it. They're like, that's no way to make a living, you know. Um, but it was pretty much a steamroller roller coaster from then on out. So that being said, I got into the Shars. I went off, went to college um, at Oregon State University. Go Beavs. Um, I judged pretty competitively, not to pat myself on the back, uh, with Clay Weber at Lynn Benton. And I judged all over the country. And I was so hooked at that point. Um, and I started building a Charlet program. I got on some national committees. That really became a big, big part of my life. I was the president of the Northwest Charlet Association, president co-advisor of the Washington State Charlet Association. I was all in on the white cattle, if you know what I'm saying, long story short. So we started doing that. And when I met my wife and I was living down in central Oregon, it it became harder and harder to raise cattle. I was selling real estate at the time to supplement my income. And central Oregon, for those of you who don't know, is one of the fastest growing places in America right now. And it's all irrigated property. And so acquiring property at this point is so expensive. And leasing it was an absolute nightmare. So I decided I was going to sell off all of my Charlotte cattle. So I went about, ooh, I'm going to say about a year and a half without owning any livestock. Weird times. I'm going to tell you, if you love livestock and it is what feeds your soul, um, don't feel like you have to change your life and live in some sort of little box, you know, in order to suit what people are telling you you should be be doing and it wasn't even necessarily that people were telling me you can't own livestock you need to go get a job it was more I just felt a pressure to conform a little bit um, because I didn't know how to make money at livestock in fact I was just really really good at losing shit piles of money so I I didn't and when we got back up to Pullman, so we moved from there, we came back up to Pullman. I thought I was going to have a job at U of I, but um, I'm just going to say it. I was probably overqualified. And if any of you are listening from U of I, I don't give a shit. Um, so I didn't get that job, but I started working for my family's construction company and living there um, full time on my parents' property. There's two houses there. And 
a good, good friend of mine, Taylor Kincaid, she said, hey, let's like buy a couple sheep. You know, it'd be fun, little hobby. Um, we can do it. And just like the heifer, my parents were like, absolutely not. No sheep on the property. You can have cows, but no sheep on the property. And of course, because I listen so well, um, I went and bought sheep anyway, and we kept them out at Taylor's in-laws. And we were just going to buy two or three good ones, you know, just putts around with it, have fun. Well, as you all know, I've got the buck. Like, I, I just can't stay away from the livestock industry. It's just not in me. So one sheep turned into five, and then Taylor's like, I'm done. Like, I've I've got too much. She's got a full-time job, and it just wasn't really for her to keep growing. And, you know, the more and more I started to get involved in the livestock industry, my first kind of reach out was Colby Birch um, in Chester Ace up in Wisconsin. I had purchased a couple sheep from them, and I really got addicted fast. So long story short, um, I ended up getting too many to keep over at Taylor's in-laws, so we move them home. I tell my parents, hey, I just need to bring five sheep here. You know, and then five turned into 10, 10 turned into 30, 30 turned into 50. Um, and next thing you know, my parents' entire property was overrun by sheep, um, which again, my mother, not impressed. So I knew that we were going to have to make a change. And I will tell you, I'm a weird ass only child. I am so close, like weird close with my parents, you know, um, we like love each other way too much. So I, I didn't want to leave, but I just knew that if we were going to really make a run at this, we were going to have to. So for those of you that don't know, I clip bulls in the winter, and this is relevant. I clip bulls in the winter, um, and, and I, I like this last year, we clipped about 1,100 bulls. So I came into that winter with my dad, and we were fighting like cats and dogs. We just, we're both so similar, like identical, hard head, hot head. Um, it just wasn't working. And so I was like, I'm going to go clip bulls. And then I think I'm going to make a run at this livestock thing full time. Like it's, you know, I've been half ass in it, trying to do it forever. I'm just going to go. And if I crash and burn and it ends in a dumpster fire, I'll just move back and live in your basement like a failure. You know, that's what I said to myself. So that would have been oh shoot that would have been a year and a half ago that i decided i'm gonna do livestock full time so we go out we clip bulls um that goes well it's great money it's a lot of hard work but good money and i just kept growing the sheep program and then fast forward to july we clip bulls usually december through february fast forward to july that's when i decided to make the move at that point we're sitting at about 70 ewes and I said, you know what, we're going to make the move. I had a business, have a business partner in Ellensburg, Washington, Robert Moon, the Moon family. For those of you who go out and show it all, you've seen Avon and or Adler, mainly Avon. He's my little sheep show guy, and that's Robert's son. So he lived in Ellensburg, and we figured if I was closer, it'd be easier for us to team up, work on projects. So we leased a place over here in Ellensburg, uprooted our whole life, and moved all for the journey and the sake of raising sheep. So we grew up even bigger, faster. We got up to about 120, 150 ewes, somewhere in there. Honestly, they came and went so fast, I couldn't even hardly tell you. So we were full-time in it. 
And at that point, I had made a lot more connections. You guys have heard me interview a lot of those on here. Allison Smith, Megan Hobbs, uh, Josh and Denise Mavencamp, and really started building a village of people that I like the way they do business. I like the way they treat people, um, which is so important. I all the time get people that are like, I feel like Gold Standard Livestock came out of nowhere. And I can tell you this is something I've been building for so long. Like I, I've been failing at the livestock industry for 12 years so that I could know how to be successful. And so when I came into it, I really had a plan. And that plan evolves and changes on the daily don't think that I'm one of those people like Steva who I interviewed who like sits down, makes a calendar of my life and then like sticks to it and makes it happen. Every day is a shit show at my house, but I guess I have a vision at the end of it and I'm always working towards that vision. And so that has what really is really what has propelled us that and all of the really good relationships that we've made. So we've gotten up there in numbers, you know, and then we started getting out, doing some live sales, and then we really dove into the the sheep showing. I am a jackpot junkie. Like I said, we've been showing for like eight weeks straight, you know, never home. It's, it's an absolute whirlwind. But just getting our name out there saying, this is us, this is what we're all about, and this is who we are. So we started Gold Standard Livestock back when we decided to go livestock full time. Um, I had had a ranch name before, but it wasn't really something that I felt like was relevant to me and my life and my family now. So we started Gold Standard Livestock. And I can tell you the point of Gold Standard Livestock is obviously to raise really good sheep, elite sheep. You know, I'm, I'm going to throw that out there. I know everyone hates that. and It's so overused, but our goal is to raise elite. And, and we do hit the mark and then we don't hit the mark. We're like everybody. we got a bunch of duds out there, too, that'll get to meet the sale barn. But that was obviously our goal. But more so than that, I wanted to create a different kind of business. When I was in the Charlay and in the cattle industry in general, I don't have to tell you, you know, there can be so much pretentiousness, so many uppity bitches out there. I'm just going to call you out. All the uppity bitches, and you know who you are, and those of you listening know who those people are, right? Like, you're at the jackpot show. They have beautiful cattle. You're learning, and you just want to be like them. But they can't even look at you or give you the time of day because they're afraid that that's going to make some crack in their veneer, you know, and then they're not going to be a badass anymore. So I had seen so much of that in the cattle industry, and and there is that in the sheep industry, but I'm going to say there's to a lot smaller degree that you see that. And so it felt so warm and welcoming. And I said, you know, I want to come here into this marketplace and I want to create a place where everyone is welcome to come and learn and participate and be a part of what we're doing. And no matter how good our sheep get, how expensive they get, what we do, I want it to be a group. I want to make a family of this and the breeders that I have worked with extensively between Maven Camps and Hobbs and Estes's and all the people you saw us with the Pagliaros and Davies and a million people. I could go on for 29 years. We have really formed a community of people that really want to see each other be successful and supportive. And that is, is what Gold Standard Livestock is all about. When we first started out, it was golden standards, golden opportunities, and really golden customer service. You know, I didn't set out in this industry 
to make a lot of money. And I can tell you, I'm successful at that part. Um, I really set out in this industry to make a family and wake up every day and do something I love and make enough money to pay my bills. Because I can tell you anytime we even get a little bit ahead on making money, we're out there buying a new donor, we're buying a new fitting stand. So I am poor all the time. And that's what I want to kind of segue into here is we all the time are posting on Facebook, you know, here's a new sheep we got, here's a show we're at, all these things. And I get all these people that are like, wow, you know, I'd love to do what you do, but I, we just don't have the money, which is so laughable to me because if people actually knew how broke we are, like all of the time to make this dream happen, um, you would laugh at it. And I will tell you, it is not easy. It is not for the faint of heart. I work seven days a week all the time and I hustle, hustle, hustle to pay bills, to get feed bought, get the sheep we need to. And I will tell you, it's something that if you're going to be a generation one farmer, rancher, whatever, you have to live and breathe it. You have to love it. You have to be willing to sacrifice creature comforts in order to build an empire and build your dream. And I will tell you, in the dead of night, when you're awake at 2 a.m. because you are stressing about how you're going to pay your bills, how you're going to get your sheep to look right or livestock, whatever it is, you need to be strong, but you need to have people that you can lean on. We talked about that in Allison Smith's episode, finding people that you bop with. You need people that you can call at two in the afternoon when you're about to have a literal mental breakdown, which I have about like once every two weeks, um, and really lean on them. Find yourself some financial support, whether that's an operating loan, whether that's a family member, whether that's a business partner. This, this business, this industry really ebbs and flows. And there's going to be times that you're sitting there saying, wow, I've got a lot of money in my bank account. And then there's going to be times you're sitting there saying, wow, I'm overdrawn $300 and I need to go buy four tons of feed. You know, so try to do your best to take the financial stress off. I wholeheartedly recognize that is so much easier said than done. And that is what I have to say about money. Do your best, but really don't let it consume you because this is an ebbing and flowing industry, like I said. The other thing I want to mention is, is as you climb up through the ranks as a generation one, and something I've learned and that I live by here at Gold Standard Livestock is there are people who are going to grow with you. And then there are people you are going to outgrow. And it is not because you're a bad person. It is not because you are too good for those people. It is because you're on a journey that you have set out for yourself, and it's not everybody's journey, and that is okay. And it's knowing when to step away from those people who you've noticed out on the sidelines there who have stopped clapping for you. They were fine to clap for you and cheer for you when you were third in class right? Like they're all about it. Good for you. Ray sheep. You know, you're doing such a good job. And then you win the class and it's like, uh, okay, you know, golf clap. And then you win the show crickets, you know, from those people, let those people go. 
okay? Because they're not going to continue to propel you to where you need to go. Surround yourself by badass bitches that say, I don't care if you beat me at this show. I'm going to clap for you because I'm secure enough in myself and in my program and my journey that I can still root for you. Those are the people that you have to surround yourself as a generation one producer and not, not even a generation one producer in general, in general of all livestock. If you're fourth generation, your family's been doing this for a thousand years, surround yourself by people who are not intimidated by that. Surround yourself by people who want to clap for you and see you be successful there is too many times we pour into people and we grow and we give them our soul and they don't appreciate it. We can sit there and dwell on that and get down in the muck of the drama and the bullshit and everybody in the livestock industry knows exactly what I'm talking about. Or we can choose to say, you know what, I love you, I support you, but I'm going to just keep working over here and doing my thing. And if you want to come be a part of that, the door is always welcome. But I'm I'm not going to dwell over in this place in that negativity. And I know that's a lot of kumbaya shit, okay? But those of you on the daily or not even on the daily, maybe you're a family that just jackpots a lot, you know what I'm talking about. Know that I am here for you. If you want to talk about it, you know, call me and just say, hey, this is a situation that I'm in. You know, what do you think? I'm here for it because I have to do that with other people all the time. I am always burning up the lines, getting advice from people. So surround yourself with a community that loves and supports you. That's enough of the kumbaya. With that being said, I'm going to give just a little bit of brief background on our operation um, sales pitch here, please, because I am poor. Like I said, come by sheep. So a lot of our genetics are Hobbs, Birch. Um, we're getting some slot machine in here, which is uh, Maven Camp, Nathan. You know, we are trying to be elite. Oh, Charlie Hill, shout out to you. I bought some badass use from him. Um, get in on all of that. We would love to work with you, but I will tell you, I just like seeing people get matched with sheep that they're passionate about. So if we don't have something here for you, I travel a lot. I put probably 90,000 miles on my pickup in the past year. No exaggeration. I look at a lot, a lot of sheep. So if I don't have it, I will help you find it. We would love for you to be a part of the Gold Standard Livestock team and family um, and share whatever we've got to with you. With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. I've yacked on too long, but I look forward to seeing all of you at the show down in Reno. A huge shout out to the committee, the board, the the sponsors who have made that possible. I think it's going to be an absolutely one-of-a-kind, incredible show. And before I, I hop off, a little piece of, I'm going to say, not wisdom, a thought to leave you with, I will say. I think that what they are doing there by making a sheep show that is drug testing and really trying to stand on a pillar of integrity is so cool. And I really encourage everyone to support this show and just be a part of it in some way or another, whether that's even just watching it live. I think that it, it, it creates an opportunity for all of us to have a discussion about 
what we value about this industry and where we want it to go. Do we want to continue outside of this show, obviously pushing the limits? Is that where we want to go as an industry as a whole? Do we want to level the playing field and let the sheep and the genetics and the program stand on their own laurels? I'm not sure what the answer is. I'm not going to tell you about it. I just want you to think about it. This industry is ever-changing, ever-evolving. Look to the future. What do we want to it to look like? And is this show the example that we need to set? I don't know. Food for thought. Ponder on it. Don't get crazy with me. I'm just throwing it out there. With that being said, which I say all the time, I also am aware that's annoying. With that being said, um... I'm going to just say farewell. Thank you. I will see you in Reno. The podcast will be set up. We're going to be interviewing champion showmen. We're going to be interviewing judges. I look forward to seeing all of you there. Uh, Have a splendid day. I don't even know when this will be released, but it'll be before Reno. Whatever today is, God bless you. Enjoy it. Have a whiskey for me, and we'll talk to you soon. Just find your way Look down Daddy wouldn't like them crocodile tears Gonna get you beer Momentum Momentum Might be what you need right now Just find your way and buckle down